The group KISS kicks off a 60-city American tour this February. The group dropped out of the American music scene for a while, but we found them gearing up for an exciting comeback. Probably no rock group drew more attention or made more money during the decade of the 70s than KISS. Their fire-breathing, blood-spitting antics on stage drew them a loyal legion of fans dubbed the KISS Army. And a shrewd merchandising campaign brought in an estimated $100 million annually in KISS-related revenues. But the men in the mysterious makeup disappeared over the past several months. With KISS, it's not so much a case of where are they now, but where did they go? We pretty much left the country two years ago. For a band to stay around as long as we have, this is our ninth year as a, as a professional group with albums out. And after that amount of time, you have to expect that some people are going to want you to take a break. And... Or you, you know, break down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, after this amount of time, you really have to, to find other places to play. But KISS has returned now with a new musical approach. It's an album called Music from the Elder, based on a single mystical concept. The rock music jury is still out on the new KISS album, but the group's on- and off-stage personas have always been a target for critical fire. This despite sales of over 40 million records. Hello and welcome to another episode of Middle-Aged Metalheads. Tonight, David Timoney, Michael Stamps, Colin Bosco, and myself, hey, hey. John Harden, are going to explore KISS's much derided album, The Elder. Derided. Uh, music from The Elder, uh, to, to be specific. I, I think you meant celebrated. So, um, we're going to get into that. Controversial. I, Divisive. people that hate Divisive. this album. Divisive, yeah. There are people that love this album. Um, there are people who don't know shit about it. Well, that's for sure. Yeah, dude. Um, and there, there are definitely people who have heard it enough times or enough to just recognize that it does not sit well with them for plenty of plenty of good reasons one might suspect i think yeah um because his kiss records go it doesn't necessarily sound like a kiss record in at least not in the traditional sense so um and it's it's a concept record so it <laughs> you know loosely yeah a loose it's loose. a really loose concept yeah. it's just loose in the sense that it's poorly done as a concept but it's loose in the sense it's like when somebody's at a party and you've been drinking and they start telling you a story and then you get home and you're laying in bed and you realize they never finished the story uh, <laughs> that's what yeah. it's like and, 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 at, and at the same time you're just kind of like that's cool I kind of get it Yeah, but yeah. you got interrupted at a point where like it was really embarrassing and without the clarity that goes with the end of the story you look like a jack off yeah, there's no clue. Well, there's somebody's ex- like, did you hear that story Timothy was telling? I think that guy's a racist. <laughs> and then they come to you the next time. They're like, dude, John said you're a racist. Why? Well, eat that story. Well, I didn't get to the end. Yeah. Uh, right. Sure. Yeah. Now. That's that's how that works out. <laughs> now that but, you're woke. Uh, but so this this record definitely. Uh, is worth talking about for, for a number of reasons. Uh, one of which is because it is just such a, a controversial sort of dividing line, even between, you know, like hardcore Kiss fans. This is not necessarily a record that uh, the casual Kiss fan was going to get into uh, when it came out in late 1981. It's just, you know, people aren't, listening to this now going to like oh shit there's a kiss record i haven't heard of and go pick it up and 
and be blown away. I, it's, it's definitely of its, of its time. Um, and, and, it, and it comes, as we're going to kind of explore here, uh, uh, within the context of the band's mm, uh, development, you know, from the 70s, sort of like ruling the world, you know, behemoth to a band after the, uh, perhaps just like a combination of disasters, right? You got uh, the four solo records, which really didn't sell so well. Well, I mean, I, I, I think, I think you got the, this, you got the, you got the disco experiment. You got the listen, pop experiment. I think, this, I think this record is most connected. Like, forget history. I think, from like a, a genetic standpoint, this music, this record comes straight from the the solo records. Okay, it sounds so much like bits and pieces of the solo records that I don't even know what to say. Like I, I, did, have you read the book? Yes. I've, I've, the Elder? Yeah. I've, I've, I've been looking at it. You can get it on uh, Kindle unlimited folks. So if you got a Kindle and you, you got the unlimited program, actually, if you just, I actually have I, the book, I have the book at, uh, but I left it at work. It's, it's called Odyssey, the, the making of kisses, the elder or something like that. Yeah, um, it's got that terrible picture of, paul on the cover it's it's looking it's, like a child man it's sneaking it's, through it's, a door it's 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 kind of cheesy and people might say it's apropos because uh as uh, indulgent as the solo records were as sort of like flailingly experimental as the disco record well dynasty isn't necessarily a disco record but definitely that one song i was made for loving you is definitely a hot disco track yeah, and uh, and there's there's still tracks, and we'll talk about this more when when are we gonna do the the listening thing, right? We're gonna we're gonna listen to the record, yeah. I believe so, for sure. Yeah. So, but I mean, there, this record is kind of a disco record too. This is like the the post that post disco groovy sound to some of these tunes. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's like there's World Without Heroes could totally be a Donna Summer tune. Yeah, and, with, uh, if it was if it was sped up a little bit and had some funky bass in it, yeah. But you know, Don, wasn't Donna Summer on his solo on Gene's solo album? Yeah, she was also a, a Casablanca act, uh, yeah. a artist as well. So she actually, yeah, she has a little background on the radioactive track on uh, Gene's solo record. And uh, Katie Segal, I believe, as well. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, Peggy uh, Bundy from everyone's favorite show, Married with Children, <laughs> or you know. Uh, What's the motorcycle oh, one there? The, motorcycle. So the, the Sons of Anarchy. Right. And she was in Lost, too. I'm re-watching Lost right now. The history of The Elder, to me, I really like, and I always have liked The Elder. And what's interesting is most of my friends, I, I grew up and still hang out with a lot of KISS fans. Most of the people, if not all, love this album. I agree with, I think Michael said it or somebody said it, that it bombed and we all know that it bombed. But I think that the majority of the KISS fans really appreciate it. And for me anyway, it fit really nice with Sticks and Kansas and Yellow and all those storytelling bands yeah. I talked about in the, in the 70s and early 80s. So um, it was, I thought it was pretty refreshing because I really hated Unmasked. Um, okay. Dynasty. Dynasty was, you know, it was okay. I mean, you couldn't avoid hearing I Was Made for Loving You. Um, Love Gun is not one of my favorite Kiss albums. So after Destroyer, which is where I jumped on the Kiss train, I was really surprised. I was like, I love Destroyer. And then everything after that was like, oh, my God. I'm like, why is everything so bad now? And huh, then Elder okay. came out. 
And then Outer came out and I really liked it. Um, I agreed, it's disjointed. It doesn't necessarily take me anywhere, but it's a story and it has cool walking scenarios in the background, you know, little feet and the guy's talking and doors creaking and I don't know, kind of yeah. fit into some of the other stuff. Yeah. So, so that's, that's an interesting point then, uh, Colin, that you, uh, you came to the Elder sort of like just as, uh, just as another Kiss release where it's like mm -hmm. you, like, you, you know, it's 1981 and it's in the record store and you just pick it up just like you picked up dynasty unmasked um all four of the solo records presumably mm -hmm. yep um so on and so forth uh but uh as for me um the elder was like one of those records that just kind of like fell into the gap you know in my kiss you know childhood uh where i just you know, I, I remember there was there was a concert that they were going to put on at the Cow Palace, and there were images uh, for I don't know, maybe even like Dynasty, but the, might have might have included images of uh, of the Elder, but it was just it was just so foreign to me. It was like this is not the stuff that I'm familiar with at all. There's like these aren't records that I'm hearing on the radio. I think, um, and also these these were not. Uh, this is this is definitely not a time where the band of all bands was was not on MTV, uh, and we'll 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 talk about that a little bit more too, and, and and kind of like how they just kind of maybe doomed their own sort of marketing of uh, of their own record, but I was you know I was a Kiss fan, like a I, maybe I'll just I'll just say I was like a reborn Kiss fan once uh, Lick It Up came out. But I was really big into the the Animalized record. That was probably the first Kiss record that I bought on cassette when it first came out. Um, and then from there, you know, on to Asylum, Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade, so on and so forth. But it was probably about the Asylum era and between Asylum and Animalized where I started going back to like all of my old Kiss uh, LPs and 8-tracks. And as I mentioned before, I'd, I'd get cassettes from people at school, but the the elder was like OOP. It was out of print. You you could not find that. But uh, at some point, Polygram started to like uh, republish all of the, the the old Kiss records. And I think re I remember by the time that uh, Asylum was out, they were pushing the whole sort of catalog. So like you would see like a you know a full page ad in in Hit Parader and it would have a an ad for uh, you know the, the album cover for uh, for Asylum but then it would have the twenty other albums that preceded it and so that got you thinking about the much larger uh, sort of discography of Kiss and then you'd see things like Unmasked I've never heard that yeah D I remember Dynasty, when uh, uh, for me it was it was. Um... I think what made me realize the 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 size. I mean, I'd always listened to Kiss. I was listening to Kiss back in the early seventies, even as a as a young child. Um, but as uh, a wee baby, as a wee baby. Uh, but I have, I still have it. If somebody wants it, an uh, an animalized poster, and at the bottom of the poster, I'll take it. Is <laughs> every is a one inch picture of every record. Yep, yep. Oh, so yeah, that's. Yeah. So that's exactly uh, what that's that's what they that's were doing. Polygram was pushing they were really pushing this stuff out. But I don't know about you. When I would go to the store, I mean, this probably I bet you Colin does this. When I would go to the store, if I saw, let's say I saw two copies of the same cassette, I was a cassette buyer because I was cheap. And that's all I had was a, was a boom box. 
if I saw two copies of the same cassette, I would sit there and debate which version to get, right? Would I get the Polygram <laughs> reissue or would oh. I get one that looked like the original? Or sometimes you'd see an import. And they'd be around the same yeah. price. Okay. Don't, don't okay. get into buying Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah, I don't, eight I don't versions get, of those. I, in the I don't get yeah. into buying. Yeah. I'm never going to get into buying Iron Maiden. Yeah, um, yeah you're, but you're right, David. You have to look to see what you're buying. What version is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I remember when I got the Gene Simmons solo record, the one that I bought, the J card was wrong. It was printed with like the label backwards so that it was Ooh. upside down in the case. And I was like, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy the weird one. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm going to buy the reject. And when I bought the Elder, it was all the records you'd normally see. But I'm like, I never heard of the Elder. I'm, right. I'm grabbing this one. And yeah. I'll tell you, this goes back to a conversation we had a couple of episodes ago. Back in the day when you were putting out money and you had no idea what was on that record, you were invested. You wanted that record to be good. Yes, it you had to I mean? be good. You had to like, for your own sense of If you've of ever investment. spent the money on a record that you wanted to be good and it sucked, that's disappointing, man. I remember when I tried to get into Frank Zappa Somebody gave me a Frank Zappa record for like, we did like a Pollyanna type thing with all the guys that we hung out with in college. And somebody gave me a Frank Zappa record. I get it home. My roommate's like, oh yeah, that's not a good one. Because Frank Zappa's got like a hundred, you go to the Frank Zappa section, oh, like in the nineties, there's like a hundred records. Half of them are live. Some of them are really terrible. Or he, he had, a, he had his bootlegs. He had his own record company. Yeah. So you, there were And so a mobile too. And they were on Ryko discs. So they were all like 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would go and I'm like, I never heard this one. And that's the, like, people are like, Love Gun, you, you know, you love Love Gun, get that one. I'm like, I've heard it. Yeah. I want this weird I, one. Yeah. I, the, the, again, like the strange, uh, unknown one. So I remember like, you know, before, before Polygram did that whole sort of re-release thing, uh, there was a guy at school that knew that, you know, that I was a big Kiss fan. And he's like, and we got talking. It's like, oh, I had, and I was like, dude, do you have a copy of the Elder in your LP collection? He's like, yeah, I totally do. Uh, this, this, this would have been Seth Millwood, and he, he, he sold me his copy of it, which I have with me right here today. Uh, I think, I think I got it for like ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, it does a little gatefold, but <laughs> also has a back. And then I'm listening to the. To the, the 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 actual vinyl right now, but uh, it it kind of blew me away because as as big a Kiss fan as I was in those Asylum animalized days, this was like, whoa, wait a second now, this is this is different. This yeah. there this there's was, this was also back in the day when we you know like I was a cassette guy. I had my Walkman with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. So this stuff was like the soundtrack of life. This was not just like, you know, if you're a vinyl guy, like my mom had a lot of brothers and sisters and grew up on vinyl and they would go to each other's houses or people would come over with their vinyl. And that was like a homebound activity. Um, Yeah. But for me with my little, you know, Sony Walkman, everything was an out and about activity. And this was, I used to kind of love it and hate it at the same time it was like living in a little movie because you had a soundtrack to life. And I was also kind of a nerdy kid. And like Colin mentioned, like you'd have these little like foleyed produced, you know, 
sections of this record where the kids like walking through and you hear doors opening and music playing and like you know sound effects and stuff and you're like oh this is cool this is cool. like you know i used to, I, I think i've told you like my favorite part of pyromania is like the lighting of the match at the end you know? yeah. <laughs> apparently a there's a lot more of an audio record for the elder as well there were pages of script that they that they recorded sort of audiobook style that just didn't make the record i yeah. you know it would have ended up being a double record that didn't sell either um <laughs> when did you get yeah. this john you know what i think i got it along the lines of of mike you know he and i probably came to it at the same time because we grew up as kiss fans and had eight tracks and had the kiss posters and the dolls and the lunchbox and all that action and then there was like this gap and yeah. probably the same gap that we took the entire world took with kiss um un unmasked sold like shit and they came to do this album and they were they were a little bit of a boat without a rudder peter was gone ace was disillusioned and uh and there was some you know some some dissent within the band so they started tinkering and no one was paying attention uh, the world had moved on in 1980 81 82 and but as i became a teenager i you know kiss changed themselves vinnie came in and lick it up came out and got noticed and animalized came out and that that might be the first one i bought after the makeup uh, era was mm -hmm. animalized and got really into it love asylum love crazy nights and then you start to go back and going back to the the records like you said like love gun or destroyer i already know those records front to back so it was like well what i miss in the meantime like let, let me let me listen a little closer to dynasty and mm -hmm. and creatures of the night and what's this here in the middle huh <laughs> Let, let me try this. And I think, you know, getting into metal and getting into hard rock at the time, putting on the elder for the first time was, was probably like every other kiss fan at the time going, what the fuck is this? Like, because <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's one of those records where there's, I think there's some true gems on that album, oh, but they're, sure. but they're hidden. You got to dig for them. Like, hmm. They're, they're sort of hidden between a lot of, a lot of things that don't necessarily work. Um, and, and at the time, I don't know if I had the patience or the, uh, I, I don't know, just the wherewithal to stick with it and, and really sort of learn it a little bit. In, as I've grown up, I've listened to it more. And there's still stuff that I don't really like that much on it. Um, but there's stuff that I do. I, I think there's some really good tracks. And, you know, we'll get to the listening party section and we can talk about it track by track. But it's hit and miss, um, which I, I think probably a lot of albums, you know, it, it was also that time where bands of that era were, were trying to find their footing. Mm -hmm. It was the beginning of the 80s and no one, like, New Wave was, was coming in from from Europe and hard rock at the time was was more rooted in a in a sort of a Led Zeppelin and and that sort of sound and I don't know where that left Kiss and I'm I think at the time they didn't know either because their only real hit in that era was a disco track yeah and so it's like do they keep doing that they're on a disco label at Casablanca 
and sure. and we'll get into more of that lore as well but even Casablanca is falling apart at the seams when they start to make this record yeah. so the safety net that they've had of the of the label that stuck by them when sales weren't good and then built them up with with the alive records and then they actually started to sell a lot and became world famous that label is headed south they yeah. they are being partioned out into into polygram and Neil Bogart, who, who was overseeing their career at Casablanca, is being pushed out. Right. So, it, you know, it, music is at a crossroads in, in the early 80s, and, and Kiss is right there with them. Yeah, and again, like we, we talked about with, uh, with Black Sabbath, when they're making the turn from the 70s to the 80s, too, they realized that, that punk rock, uh, new wave, uh, they were kind of like taking their lunch money. Uh, in the sense that they, you know, that was the youth music of the day and that Kiss had maybe like outgrown its fans. Um, so you, you, you see those turns with the, the pop friendly music trying to like get younger listeners to pay attention to Kiss, but not necessarily backfiring, but definitely not, you know, getting them, you know, out on the road for like months at a time, raking in all the cash. Yeah, uh, and that was well, that and, was and like I said, this album came came off the tail end of an album that did really poorly. Like yeah. Un, Unmasked didn't sell shit. It sold yeah. so have, poorly that they scrapped that owned, tour. I have never owned Unmasked, and then uh, when Killers came out, that corny cover, man, I was like, I'm not buying that. <laughs> well, kill, like Killers, a, Killers is is like, like a compilation, a, right? Killers right, is like a foreign. There, there's a couple of new songs. Yeah, there's on some it. new songs on. Yeah, there, it is. Some, it's like it's a stopgap. It's like looking, and Gene's got the weird like short fro. That was their. That was yeah. that was exactly their look for the elder. That whole yeah. short elder, look, right. and Super Paul weird, with the man. with the headband and all that shit. Yeah, that was that was their elder look. And one of the things that sort of went along, so, you know, I mentioned Neil Bogart and Casablanca Records was coming to an end. Kiss was without a record contract. Any artist that made the jump to Polygram were going to start with a new contract. And Kiss was one of the ones that Polygram wanted. And they got a new contract, $15 million, five records. And The Elder was to be the first of, the, of that contract. Even though Unmasked <laughs> hadn't sold well, yeah. This was going to be their new introduction to a new label. One of us fired. Yeah, can you imagine the AOR guys getting the record and going, "Cool, thanks." <laughs> uh, uh, but more, huh? in terms of image, in terms of that haircut you were talking about, Dave, they tinkered with the idea of losing makeup for the elder. Yeah, that that this was going to be their first time, like new label, new contract. Maybe this is the time. Where, where we sort of leave our, our makeup in the past and, and start anew. And ultimately they decided not to, but they toyed with doing it sort of gradually. So no longer, no longer. <laughs> Let's all cut our hair. Well, it was also one of those things that like whenever they would go out in public, you see those pictures of like Gene with Cher yeah. at going into Studio 54 and covering his mouth or, you know, hiding behind their arm to protect their identities they were slowly easing into being Paul Stanley on the street and Paul Stanley and kiss like right. almost yeah. like playing, playing a role, like a superhero type thing. And so they were trying to, to figure out how they can bridge 
just being a band. And right. uh, so Elder's in this this weird midway where where outside of the record you see Gene at home like cutting his own hair. I mean, dude, and, and their <laughs> like, outfits, new, like everything about this new, record. I wrote a forget song about just the music. It's, the it's entire record's pretty. in this cube. Yeah, the image is awful. Like I, the branding, it's just there's a lot happening. But here. it's but it's but again, it's it's the growing pains of a band. One hundred percent, and and that's why I kind of have an affinity maybe for this record because. Kiss is a band that I know so well and appreciate every member, even members that were just there for one album, like Mark St. John or something like that. Like I love Kiss top to bottom. And sometimes it's interesting to look at the misfires with a band that you love. It's still, I, you know, it's a curiosity, but there's still some, some good stuff in there. And, um, and, 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 and again, to kind of go, go back to like the point I think that we established with Colin, it's like, I think if you, if you grew up on this and it, or it came into your life at the right time where you could not get enough kiss, then it was just perfect for you. And you, you, you would spend, like David suggested too, like, you know, if you just have the, you know, the, the LP, uh, then you're kind of like stuck at home spending more time with it or you're you know you're stuck inside your headphones listening to it all the time and it's that's that's how those memories kind of get embedded in you uh, but if it's just a record that you just take a first whiff at and you're like nope I don't hear Love Gun or I don't hear Detroit Rock City um, and it's just kind of garbagey which like nowadays if, if people if this were just released on a, on a streaming service it would just be like i could take it i could leave it yeah but I'm, i don't necessarily have to like invest any time with it because it's not that ten dollars that came out of my wallet right which is like three hours of mowing lawns and but this for, for me this this my first cd that i ever bought and i have it here was the elder to, 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 nice. the first cd i bought um, really nice choice and, and and a cd at that time if if you remember in uh let's say like 87 88 would have cost you about 18 19 dollars yeah about twice what the cassette would cost in a long colin, box colin what's the first in the CD long you box bought? the arrhythmics which one Sweet uh, no i think it was the one after that i don't remember the title of it right now but I, I went to buy my first CD player, and as Michael just pointed out, the CDs were really expensive. So the only one I could get was one that was on sale, and I couldn't find any other band or anything <laughs> else I had any interest in. But the wow. Arrhythmics, at the time, in the 80s, the Arrhythmics were big. Yeah. So I, I knew them, and I don't think it was the one that had their hit on it. I think it, again, was the second one, but I just took a chance. I was like, it was like 10 bucks on sale, Touch. and I was like... Um, I'll have to look it up. Might have been. But anyway, that was the only one I could put in the cart with my CD player, and I had to listen to something because I wasn't going to go home and just look at it. So yeah, I'm like, here you go, your rhythmics. And, and, uh, and, and, and even early on, I was, I'm going to finish my story here a little bit because I know, that, I know how John's story begins because I bought his uh, CD playing component from him yeah. once, once he upgraded. So I, John was the first one to, like, on our block, as it were, to get a CD player 
but it was like in his room and you had to listen to it with headphones. Yeah. Yeah. The first two CDs I got were Back in Black. I bought them together, Back in Black and Raising Hell. Okay. Okay. Those, I remember, I remember you, you also two. had like uh, the Vitty Vincent invasion. Yeah. I got a lot of them quickly. Like and, I got hooked and, fast. And, and wasted, save your prayers. Yep. So it was just like, the quality yeah. of the music is so superior. Yeah, I remember Somewhere in Time was was one of those digitally recorded, uh, the, the DDD records. Uh, <laughs> the X, XDR or whatever. Yeah, standing in that. John's bedroom, he has his headphones on, he's screaming at you about how good the music sounds. And loved it. <laughs> yeah, or you just like take turns listening to it, and you'd like hear like uh, the, you know, the back and forth, the twist, and it would, go, it would just cycle yeah. around. There's like some sort of studio... <laughs> trick where it just goes from one speaker yeah to panning the panning back and, yeah, put, yeah. put the headphones on and it, and it would, it would you, so and see so oh, i had one I, so i had one cd player and i had a, a you know a, an old pair of like a kai sort of like headphones that had like the curly cue like you'd have on a phone and i and all that i it was great that's what you had and i get home late at night yeah perfect and then i i only had one so I just put in the elder and it would just rock me to sleep or keep me up and get me thinking about my own hero's journey. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. It was, it was, that's, that's how it went. And then, you know, then, you know, you had to like get a component that you could actually plug into, you know, an amplifier and then you could share yeah. it with the parents or not. Right on. But, right on. uh, yeah, so again, like we, we talk about the, the transitions in the band and, and certainly our own sort of like transitions through 80s technology and the, uh, the, the marketing and, and, and uh, you know, had shit, the idea that you could actually take what had been like basically an out of print LP and then within a couple of years of my time, it's on CD. And it's like, wow, brave new world. And then you could just then you got it in your car at some point. Once, once you got the CD player in your car, I never had a CD player in my car. Even now, cassette adapters. Yeah, it's not too late. And now yeah. I stream. Well, I stream now. I got one in my car. I use. <laughs> I, I I have a, a a phone holder that goes in where the CD player, where the CDs go. Look, no one likes a bragger. Because I, I, I don't I, listen. I don't live in the twentieth century anymore. It's, <laughs> you got like the little aux box there thing. You just plug it in. That uh, works. Uh, Let's. Uh, Let's talk about the recording a little bit of this fine record. Okay. Now, now with their new label and with their new deal, the label suggested to Kiss, uh, we should get Mutt Lang to produce your album. <laughs> uh, he had just done Back in Black. He had just finished High and Dry. Sounds just like right. those two. He did, he, he did Foreigner 4, too. And yeah, I mean, and, and the label was right. They should have got Mutt Lang to record the new record. And yeah. they said, no, uh, we would like to go with Bob Ezrin, who uh, they had worked with on Destroyer. And I, I didn't get to the bottom of it, but there's some it sort six, of... It was just five or six years ago. What could change? Yeah, I mean, there's some sort of bad blood between Ace and Bob Ezrin. And I, I think uh, it I think it had to do with uh, their work back on uh, on destroyer. On destroyer. Yeah. Where 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 Bob was just basically saying, well Bob was a taskmaster even though he was younger than the rest of the band and Ace was uh Ace, Ace. was Ace. He was <laughs> yeah. like he was a little bit sloppy. He would kind of like show up when he wanted to and he would kind of show up in 
you know, sometimes a, a state of inebriation. Um, yeah. And, and that just kind of like fucks with the, the whole program. So <laughs> you, you can see Ace holding the grudge against a guy like that. Yeah. They recorded this album at Ace's house in Connecticut. <laughs> he, he had just spent like several million dollars to create a state-of-the-art studio at his house. And they decided to record it there. And from what it sounds like, Ace was not much involved. Like, yeah. even though they were recording at his house, they would they would do their parts. Ezrin would produce it. And they'd basically leave it with a note to say, like, Ace, uh, add something here. And he would just come in by himself and, and either add something or not. Yeah. Uh, they, they, were, they, they were also recording at a couple spots there in New York City, um, as, as well up where Ezrin was up in uh, near Toronto. So they, they had, like, a lot of different like like a lot of the demo stuff that uh, that the book talks about was like cut at uh, ace in the hole studios yeah <laughs> and, the, and apparently the demo stuff was much harder yeah like, they, well, that they was... were trying to return to roots and and make a hard rock record yeah but before this they, was very before much like that uh this was very much like that whole like dio thing where you know they would go in and record stuff and then somebody would come in later like take a bunch of stuff out i remember reading an interview That's... with ace back in the mid 80s and it was like what happened and he specifically said it was in the elder i would go in and record these heavy guitar parts they'd show up the next day and get rid of them yeah well and and and, and to ace's uh, well to, to verify ace's point there that's basically what happened that uh, a lot of his solos either got done by other players or uh or there, there, or, or or Paul played the solos, but a lot, a lot of Ace stuff ended up on the, the the cutting room floor. Well, actually, there is no cutting room floor with Kiss. There's just the vault, as the yeah. book tells you. There's like there is still so many reels of you know different takes with different mixes, uh, different lyrics, different people performing. Yeah, so, and that whole radio play that we yeah. were talking about there's yeah like, yeah yeah with, with with christopher makepeace was on that right from awesome. meatballs from meatballs yeah and 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 uh my bodyguard i loved him in my bodyguard <laughs> wasn't one of the baldwins in that what uh, was the bodyguard right matt, i think matt Dillon was the bully but yeah. i don't remember a yeah, baldwin bodyguard i think it was my bodyguard i'm positive the bodyguards the whitney houston movie yes kevin costner we know we know what we're talking about yeah, <laughs> it's Chris, when, we're talking when about, don't we? We're talking about Christopher Makepeace, man, not Kevin Costner. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so 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 John, keep guiding us through here. So, it's, well, it, I, it so a, it, it's a totally different sort of operation because it's not like the four guys coming with their ideas, right? Well, now now it, it's down to three guys really because Eric Carr joins the band as the drummer and he's salaried. So now. You, you have three deciding members of KISS. And this is part of Ace's disillusionment is he and Peter were the ones that always sort of were the, were the flip side of the coin to Gene and Paul. And with, with Peter leaving, Ace felt like he wouldn't win many battles. Like if there, was, if there was something that he objected to, he would get overruled by Gene and Paul. It, it was now two versus one versus two versus two. And... He, he didn't have much of a leg to stand on. And so when Ezrin came in, Ezrin listened to those heavy demos and he's the one who sort of said, now let's do something different. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's do a concept album. 
And I mean, at the time, you got to think about like when this was recorded, when they're talking about it, it's like 1980. Ezrin had produced The Wall. Right. Which so, was legitimately the biggest record, one of the biggest records of that decade. So it's like if here's the guy who did Pink Floyd's The Wall saying we should do a concept album for a band that's that's a little aimless at the time. It sounded like a good idea, at least to Gene and Paul. Ace wasn't feeling it. Gene, being Gene, went and wrote a 90 page outline uh, <laughs> for this story, which I can only imagine God, I'd love to see that. That's, that's, that's in the vault, too. People want to see that. I would love to see that. Man. Yeah, it's probably horrific. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, it gives you a sense, too. It's like, wow, the director's cut version of it. It's like all the other things, and it just kind of gets... It, it seems like too. they could do an Elder box set with all the, <laughs> all the stuff that they have, but like, Ooh. it just would not sell. Like four copies right here. Right. Hey, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, share yeah, we'll, like there, there would probably be, it'd be like a six disc set. Like three of the discs is just like Paul, Gene and Ace arguing. That, yeah. I'd, lo I'd love it. I'd love uh, it. I mean, everyone would. But all the booklets and stuff, well, when they make those deluxe uh, uh, Metallica records for like Ride the Lightning or Master Puppets, they only made like 600 of them. Yeah. And that's for an album that sold 21 million copies. Right, so <laughs> this so for now the this elder twenty one copies. So the so elder still, theoretically went gold in twenty nineteen. They'll so, sell so, they'll so they sell can, that sixty CD set in. Uh, they'll make like a hundred copies of them, and they'll sell them in like a box shaped like Ace Frilly's coffin. Yeah, but it'll be tagged to <laughs> like, like the first ten his, rows of tickets. Like, parts like of you'll his, have to buy it with a ticket. Yeah, it'll yeah. but it, or it'll be uh, it'll be in in little pieces of the Porsche that he wrecked. Yeah. All, all they need to do is make about 15 of them, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> or four. You know. That, I, an another weird contributor to this record is Lou Reed. Yeah. Who, yeah. who Bob Ezrin brought in. I think that's the real reason Gene cut his hair. I, maybe. I mean, I like, hey, you know, Gene, Lou Reed has weekend. a lot to do with this record. He co-wrote Mr. Blackwell. He co-wrote A World Without Heroes. And Dark Light. Uh, and Darklight, yeah. Yep. And so, you know, Ezrin brings him in, and I guess he and Gene started working together uh, quite a lot. Um, does someone want to like take when, us when through? When Lou Reed started working with Metallica, he's like, have you ever heard of... You ever, ever, ever hear of Kiss? Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you know what I Here's did on my the track Elder, record right? Yeah, I contributed <laughs> to Kiss's least selling album ever. What are you guys That's, up to? That's but, right. But, but again, I think it was, it, it's kind of... Uh, interesting that the band yeah, opened but have you themselves... ever sold, sold no records <laughs> yeah well, all Lulu. The, we got all the free records we just gave those away but uh you know uh again the, the fact that the band opened themselves up to all these other outside creative influences you know including bob Ezrin, who's kind of a player on some of the songs and co-writer um he's kind of like trying to whip this stuff into some sort of coherent narrative concept as it were and and again i was i think i was misled when you know when i went back and i i looked at uh the lp and uh part of the credits on some of these songs go to lewis reed l-e-w-i-s and I'm like uh oh that, oh but if you just said lou fucking reed velvet underground I'm like oh i get you now and they they, they they brought in like a couple other guys too, like you know, Brill building players, 
people who like had some you know experience just like let's write songs and they were they were pretty you know good at doing that sort of thing and helping to like get the creative juices flowing um yeah it's it, it, again because it's it's not it's not the usual band uh you know dynamic it becomes this sort of lots of cooks in the kitchen sort of scenario yeah it's very disjointed uh who wants to take us through the plot um i don't know if i can tell you the plot <laughs> there's this boy right? okay he doesn't have a name <laughs> no he's just the boy yeah and, and and he's gonna save the world and he's just a boy right he's just a boy he's just, just a boy <laughs> and he's gonna find this really cool older guy he's gonna help him Oh, he's gonna, he's gonna take care. Don't of make him. it sound creepy. There. Yeah. <laughs> well, <Too late>. yeah. <laughs> um, and he's gonna and he's gonna go in front of the council, right? The council of the rose, I think. Order the elder, of the rose, council of elders. Yeah, the, the elder. And he's gonna say that the boy is ready. Morpheus says the boy is ready to take on. I don't even know what evil he's supposed to take on. To be quite to, honest, to take on his odyssey. Uh, that, that's what he's can ready I, can to I do. Can I add one little piece of historic? and convoluting information. Yeah, please. <laughs> when this record came out, the Sean Connery movie, The Order of the Rose, was in heavy rotation on that's HBO. The, that's the name of the rose. Name of the rose, whatever. That, I don't thing. care. I didn't watch it. I've just been it was on. It was on HBO like every night. So I'm like listening to this record and reading the song titles and listening Ron to Ron Perlman's crap. in it too. So he's got another Ron can, Perlman all reference. All I can imagine is that the man is Sean Connery. Yeah, what? See, David's casting the film. There, there you go. Yeah, that was a, Gene's dream was that this would become a film, yeah. but the no. album sold three copies. And 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 certainly the you know the the name of the rose based on the Umberto Eco novel is set in the Middle Ages, set in a, a series of uh, monasteries. Um, and this and this uh, the imagery and you know certainly some of the sounds do have a kind of like medieval feel to them. So I, I, I could see why you'd make that sort of association, David. Oh, this definitely took place in the times of the knights and the yes. round table and all this stuff. In my head anyway, it was always guys, yeah. you know. Well, the, 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 the fanfare leads you into that. Exactly. It's yeah. always nighttime. This, this is what is written inside the <laughs> gatefold. When the earth was young, they were already old. Since the dawn of time, that should, that should the elder our... have watched silently over a virgin <laughs> world and all its creatures. Virgin world. Now they have assumed the form of mortals so that they might walk amongst men and guide them. The elder are an ideal. They embody the wisdom of the ages and the power of goodness and knowledge. But the elder <laughs> were not alone in the beginning and are not alone still. Another force has existed eternally. In every place, in every time, an evil is loosed, whose sole purpose is to destroy all that is good. And in every time and every place, it is the task of the elder to find and train a warrior, a champion to conquer the evil. As the looming clouds gather, the, the council of the elder sits at the ancient table it's under the sign of now. the rose. Once again, they must combat the evil that is lurking in darkness and spreading throughout the world. Is, they is await this the, the word... lyrics to one of the songs? <laughs> no, this is, this is, no, this this is, is just... part of 
This is part of Gene's 90-page yeah. treatise. This, this, and this I is think all- we should take that beginning part and make that our introduction, all the way up to the part about walk amongst mortal yeah. men. No, Signed, it's, it's awesome. okay. and, 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 and and this is all. Is- when and the world is, was virgins, we were already old. And this is all you get in like way of explanation as to what this concept is. They await the word from Morpheus, the caretaker, whether the boy be deemed ready for the sacred rite of why accession. Is he because he is, because that's why, <laughs> okay. why, why do you watch, you know, like sword and sandal films? you know, about the Roman times and they're like all British. You sound like actors. you're doing the intro to, um, to the the doctor show on the Muppets, <laughs> phenomena. No, uh, uh, so let's let's see. Let's see. Ready for the sacred rite of accession to the order of the rose, and for the pronouncement of his sacred duty, the Odyssey begins. An audio Odyssey. Wake, wake up, everybody! Wake up! The Odyssey's beginning. Wow. Yeah. So, 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 right there, you. You, 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 you get like basically everyone's first take on any sort of like concept record. It's like pompous. Like what? What's this supposed to? This? Why don't you just like some, have some like sucking and fucking songs? Why can't you just do that? That's it's in there. That's, that's, that's Mr. Blackwell. That's that's, wow. what, that's, that's uh, well, what, Also, I think oh, this is the first the first Kiss album that they're not on the cover of. Yeah, double platinum. But yeah. no, you're right. You're right. You can see Gene uh, if you zoom in on the middle finger. Uh, <laughs> oh, actually, that's that 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 is Paul's uh, it's Paul's hand. Paul's hand a little bit, sort of like uh, uh, what what do you call it when you just airbrush it a little dismembered. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's, he he he. Again, it's uh, Paul now has a, now has a silver hand. It's ambitious. Um, and a little bit sort of pretentious, and, and again, dwarf, and a little bit here. sort of disastrous. And, yeah, and a little country and, and a little rock and roll, and a little bit medieval and a little bit heavy metal. I'm telling you, this is it's very it's this is very post disco in my mind. Oh, you know, it's that, that thump thump in World Without Heroes. We'll get to that. Yep. And, um, yep. So when we when we get to Shall the listen- we get to that when we get to the listening part, so like we're gonna look at uh, the Amazon. I don't know how much we can how much more we can talk about it. That's right. Well, so that's that's the thing is the, the actually the sequence of the songs differs based on which version of the album you have. Right. Well, I'm the original the, the track version. The original oh. record goes with not fanfare first. The oath is first. Right. On the album, it's first. No, uh, that's that's a reissue. Nope, this is the original here. Sure about that? Yeah, making that up. I am not making it up. Also, when you look at the the, so this is my original CD, right? Mm-hmm. That I got back in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. The first song on it is the Oath. Whereas if you get the the remastered version, you can see what Kiss has done there. It says remastered. Mm-hmm. The first song is uh, Fanfare. I feel like you're going to ask me to pick a Just the Boy, and then Odyssey, and then the Oath comes later. Let's, let's go with the remaster version. There's, so they, they've toyed around it with the sequence. actually makes more sense. It, well, it doesn't matter. We just have to be on the same page. And, yeah. and I think what, what they were trying to do with moving the Oath onto the first song on the first side was like, hey, this is a... Hey, this still sounds like Kiss. This sounds like a hard rock band, doesn't it? <laughs> Come on, listen to at least the first song. 
God damn it. Right. Let's let's start with the let's do the remaster ordering, starting with fanfare. fanfare. Just a boy in Odyssey. That, that, that will ease us into what's order to come. Okay. I'm just a boy. Oh man. Uh, that's sweet. Do, okay, do, so uh, Michael, you do. you give us a countdown and we will start. All right, I'm gonna count up to three, and on three, everyone press play. play. So um one, two, three. Should have counted like the count. <laughs> one, two, three. Minus or an English language. English uh, accent. Oh. I, it's really quiet now. Yes. It's just some clinking. There's no fanfare yet. There we go. There's some tinkling of oh, there's and a little tucket. You know that they you, you, can you imagine like Gene is like, I've worked with an orchestra. Yeah. You let me handle all these oboes. You let me handle the oboes. Yeah. We're going to bring in a this, consort. So this this kind of establishes a little bit of the tone and you you hear the what what becomes the sort of like the light and then the dark elements of the album's battle between good and evil. I'm not going to lie. I love this record and it is so easy to mock this record. I, I, I'm the same way. I, I like it too, but at the same time, I can take a step back and go, "Wow, this was this was a bad idea." <laughs> <laughs> Press delete. Can we get Eric in so there? So there's a little Tiffany's? musical overture that establishes the themes, and then... we get some monks chanting. I mean, come it on, is, yeah. that's awesome, man. See? I mean. It, it is interesting that that it's such a big audacious swing coming off of a failure. Yeah, usually it's like when doubling a band tries. Yeah, usually when a band tries to do something this left of center, it's when they're riding the wave, like yeah. when they're way up there, and it's like, well, you know, it's like Metallica is the king of thrash, and then it's like, let's do nothing else matters. Yeah. For them, it paid off. Listen to that melody. That melody is amazing. Uh, so you got a little Next, I heard the, the new sweet acoustic comes with a pair of truck nuts. <laughs> so in, in the in the lyrics, it's like they're on a a cruise of sorts, and there's a ship at sea in a storm, and is the boy going to be the hero that saves them? I think as as songs written specifically for the elder, this was the first one. Bob Ezrin and Paul Stanley wrote this song together. And so much falsetto. <laughs> Ezrin, Ezrin remarked later, they should have killed the project after hearing this song when it was done. <laughs> yeah. Because, but it's, they, but it's. They didn't. It's very powerful and inspiring to, you know, and this is again, the same sort of shit that you get out of uh, Joseph Campbell's hero with a thousand faces. So it's yeah. like, all right, this so is this the is the, the call that, to adventure. This is that the guitar stuff work that when back people there. Do it, you know what I mean? It's like you can't you can't do this halfway. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's where you know Michael talk, Michael mentions like the audacious intro. No, John mentioned that. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it's just like you know what? Do you remember when when Fine Young Cannibals came out? Yeah, and that dude got up on stage and was singing like that. I remember it. my uncle was like, "Man, you gotta have like King Kong balls to get up on stage and sing like that." <laughs> yeah, and you Are know you what? They do just did it. You know what Rolling I mean? It's like, yeah, He's and it's great. like, yeah. 
just got to get but up again, there and do it. And then but, when but, people but, are like, what are you doing? They're like, but, but, but you're rolling gift, and this is like your debut record. This is fucking Paul Starchild Stanley. Yeah, dude. Do you love me? And he's like, whoa. Getting really into a different sort of character and then like getting that, getting it all the way up there. Yeah, they toyed with touring for this album, but then it sold so badly that they shelved that tour as well. But Gene's want originally was to to do an hour of of Kiss tunes that everyone knew, and then do the Elder entirely. Okay, That's so the at second least, part at of least, the show. At least you get the fans what they want. Yeah, so, so we're like, digging into Odyssey. In, now. in my original version, the Odyssey yeah. comes I, at track I hate ten. This song. Track you 10. I, I do not like this song. I, 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 okay, I hate Paul's vocal on it. Let me like, set the stage for you. Imagine that instead of Paul singing this, right, it's Chamberlain from Dark Crystal. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> or not Chamberlain. Who, who was the guy that was in charge? Search the land, the sea. Yeah. What, what movie are you talking about? Labyrinth? The, the Dark, Dark Crystal. Crystal. Dark Crystal. <laughs> I always thought this could have been a David Bowie tune. Yeah. Um, I like this song. I'm not going to lie. This, this is actually a song that was written by one of those Brill Building uh, fellows. Uh, I can't remember his name offhand. And they, they brought him in to like help direct the song and, and pass it over to Paul. I think he plays piano on it too um i could look it up he's trying to be all majestic you can tell i bet she's wearing armor in the studio yeah another note on this on this that was in that book was that gene wanted to share the vocal for this song with paul and paul was only going to be doing the vocal at the very end of the song and gene later remarked that this song was tragic because of that (laughs) Yeah, that's that's being generous for Gene. Yeah, uh, a session drummer played on this song. Eric Carr did not play on this one. Yeah, he play on on this or I. To- to- Tony Powers was the guy who wrote this song originally. It hadn't been released yet, but he would go on to release it. Eric Eric Carr couldn't get a a sub for his MTA run that day. <laughs> So it yeah, always feels a little piece, Eric Carr. Eric Carr is fucking great. Yeah. It's and it, it it's these little touches here too. It's kind of like ah, oh, it's like child in a sundress. Yes. Perhaps a girl. <laughs> and, and, there's a place in a desert where an ocean once danced by. It's like very poetic sort of imagery. See, this fits so beautifully in with my catalog of, of ELO and and Moody Blues records. It's just such a nice tune. I think yeah. the folks that don't dig this record have never really committed to it. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, it's not a secret. Like, you have to kind of give yourself completely to let this record win you over. You yeah. can't, you can't is, put this, this on is, expecting Destroyer or Love Club. This is a nice uh, solo from Paul, I believe. Which is fine to say now, but at the time you had you had a public that was the only fans that were left for Kiss in 1981 were wanting a Destroyer or a Love Gun. Yeah. And, and instead, they got this. But I mean, imagine if you were if you were like the typical metal dude, you might have been picking this up at 30 or 40. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
They don't care about you. If they want some like flappy old man buying front row tickets. Love you guys. <laughs> they do now. Gonna go get me a natty light. Beat some chicks near the bathroom. <laughs> put this up there though it's like i think a lot of bands would be happy for this to be their worst song yeah you know what i mean and ask trickster if they did yeah, honestly yeah they'd right, love it do you wish it took 20 years for your record to go gold yes <laughs> yes i do <laughs> i'll take 40 years it was just there was an article it, it does have like like a oh sorry i mean it does have like a phantom of the opera vibe yeah yeah article uh, about like bands that were like big in the 80s and 90s and now they work like regular jobs yeah those that, guys would uh, love for this to be like their only record that's what like joey belladonna was doing before he rejoined anthrax right you know you watch like the the, the anvil uh documentary and there's like guys like working in a kitchen at a school yeah, it's like pretty tragic. Yeah, like you got you got a, you got one of these dudes who's got a record out. He's like cashing your check at the dollar store. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, I'm familiar now, kid. Get out of here. It's gonna it's gonna take me a while to like just to follow this sequence because Odyssey always feels like a little bit more sort of like it it, it helps with the the closure the conclusion of yep. it. Um, yeah. When it comes at like the last, the, then I always hear like I, I coming around. after this. But uh, here we go with uh, Only You. This is a great song. This is, this is actually, a good song. this is a song that was, I think John wrote it here, it was like a, a wicked Lester, Lester song. Yeah, Gene, Gene wrote this song and it was an early, early song that he had pre-kiss. Oh, called Eskimo Sun. Yep. I think so this it, song sounds very much like it could have been on Gene's solo record. I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it should know. have been instead of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. <laughs> or Wish Upon a Star. Or Wish Upon a Star. D Doro Pesh covered this song for her solo record. Yeah, and Gene which, produced the track. See, I, I, and I, I, Tommy Thayer played guitar on it. Yeah, well, you know why? Because he sucks. Nice. <laughs> you hate Tommy. I do. I hate Tommy. I like, I like Mark St. John more than Tommy. Wow, yeah, me too. Yeah, um, John puts a lot of a lot of energy in his guitar work, but very, yeah, that's a that's a good call, David. This does sound like it fits in on Gene's solo. Yeah, but, or, the voice, or, or the voice or, work sounds very Blue Oyster Cult to me, but that yeah. but that you know windy voice in the back. Yeah, yeah, a little echo effect, a little mm -hmm. sort of reverb. So this this is a song here where where. Gene and Paul are going to kind of uh, trade vocals. Uh, it's a little, yeah. little weird sort of vocal sound effect. This is again kind of like within the, the narrative. It, this you know, this section sounds like Naked City on Unmasked. There you go. Yeah. And again, like a lot of the, a lot of the Gene vocals on this record are of that sort of dynasty and uh, the solo record and Unmasked sort of vintage. But he's got this, this would have been like this would have been like the action scene in the film. Uh huh. The yeah. The the his fists are glowing. His fists right. are glowing with the power. The sword is being forged. 
Who is the hammered? He's out there working on the sword. It's just like a montage. Sounds Uh good. Guitar sounds good. It's a good track. And I I think you're going to get a little Paul. Yeah, the better better part's coming up, though. Very proggy. Yeah, that's that well, Bob Ezrin influence. That's true. The bass, the bass, is a little, little rush like. It's a little moving around. But because Ezrin would play the bass, and we'd be like, "Gee, this is what I want you to do." <laughs> don't don't, do let, don't make me bring Carol King in here. There he goes. Here we go. Now it's gonna build up. There you go. A little kick in the ass there. That's right. I love that man. That's nice yeah, and low down good. there. There you go. That now that sounds like first record. That little groove in there. You can hear a lot of the Ace that's riffing. That, that's that crappy Ace riff in the back of that. It's not crappy. That's just what he does. <laughs> so he just drags these old like blues riffs out. It's it's what it's what he's got. That's like off. That's like a riff straight out of Rock and Roll Over. Yeah, that's, that's what he thinks. Yeah. And then... Touch of just a boy. That's right. That's a little, the little light motif there that you get that's established oh, by the fans. Yeah. yeah, like when you watch uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's that little bit every time that Indy's doing something really heroic. The little notes. Cue the hero. More grooves here. It's starting to warm up. It's starting to like begin to be a little bit more of a rock album. Um, yeah, so this is the first album where uh, I think Eric Carr is actually credited as being a, the drummer and a member of Kiss. Yep. And he, and with the next song, I think he actually contributed a little bit of the the under the rose. So Eric Carr wrote the music to this. Gene, probably with a little help from one Lewis Reed, put together the the lyrics of this. And it's a really dark and moody song with like some dark sort of like chanting going on in there. Uh, again, still part of the the seduction of the, of the young boy, bringing him in as far as the initiation into his role within this larger cosmic scheme of the elder and this big cataclysmic battle between good and evil. But it's not easy. Loneliness will haunt you. Will you sacrifice? a weird tune. I mean, it's a good... It's, I like it. It's, but it's very unlike anything Kiss has done. Oh, yeah. No, it's... it's like, definitely. I, most of the tunes on this record, you can pick out the influence of Kiss. This song the, the, is very unlike Kiss. The music still kind of works there, but like, you know, the, the Gregorian chanting and then the bringing in the, the, the these other elements just kind of... What about, like... You know, you know your man is working hard. He's worth a deuce. Why yeah. can't we just get into some shit like that? They're like, should we put this in there? Bob yeah. Asman said, you know you got nothing to lose. It's true. 
Wait, is this the song about anal sex on the elder? <laughs> please don't. What's please don't. Don't, guys. Look. Please don't. Look, Peter's got... over in the corner. He already left the band, but he's peeking through the window. He heard <laughs> some monks come into the studio, and he's like, there might be an Don't ruin this here. for me. Don't ruin this hey, for Paul, me. Let's, hey, Paul, let's... if you lift the knocker, what's under the rose? Under the rose? It's like a butthole. Go for it. Ah, <laughs> uh, here goes this album. Yep. But it, this this song has like serious power to it. Again, we, we could jest and joke and have jakes as much as we want, but together with the rest of the songs, it's like it, it helps build the sort of narrative structure. And it just has it has like a like an opera would. It has a kind of like musical intensity that's like adding to the larger arc of the. Uh, yeah, the and there's story. a lot of there's you know just like just a boy, you know you got to give credit to Paul being out there, you know singing that stuff, confident, blowing it out. This is very similar. I mean, I I, I was talking about another band months ago with with Colin, and you find these bands where the singers just hide their melody by you know following whatever the guitar riff is. And this is an example of Kiss doing what they do well, which is like letting the accompaniment, accompaniment be the accompaniment and singing over it and being sure sure about yourself. Like there's a really nice, clean and, and kind of sparse guitar, bass and drum part and the vocals are doing their own thing. It's unlike, I mean, this the solo section here is way more Kiss. A nice solo. Yeah. yeah. And then that's, that's the thing. It's like, is this Ace? Probably. Or is this a studio cool. guy? Probably half and half. Yeah, it's, it's now, hard to say. These studio guys are, are a lot cleaner, a little flashier. Yeah, but this, again, this, 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 this song is like, it was always the one that I would think that when I listen to it, it's like, this is where it really gets serious. And because for me, then it's almost kind of, almost already going downhill. Um, you yeah, know, in, I mean, ter in terms of like the, the fulfillment of the prophecy and the sort of, you uh, call like a turning point in the narrative. Yeah, I mean, it's really nice, um, like, closed harmony and, like, fourths and fifths, like, making it sound like really kind of dark and kind of monk-like. This is yeah. definitely somebody, whoever arranged this, like, knows a little bit about music, knows a little bit about, you know, historical and antique music to, to throw in some of those harmonies. It works really well. Now I'm getting a little space. The, the transitions between songs are pretty awesome. I, I, like I wouldn't say seamless. Sometimes they're pretty abrupt, like they are between Odyssey and Only You. But uh, well, Dark Light starts side two, right? Um, actually, World Without Heroes, the the next track starts side two. Yes. Uh, I like the Dark first. Light. This, this is, is the good. first song I liked. Yeah, and yeah. I liked it because it. It has that little bit of like sneaky Jaws feel to it. Yeah, it has an ominous kind of build up, a little slow burn, like the. I don't like it when it gets kind of groovy though. Are you sure this didn't start side two? Because there's not enough music to fill up side two if you don't include this. Um. Well. Um. I'm, I'm nearly positive. Well, without hearing the first track, I'm saying. Oh, you're you're you're, you're 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 right, Colin. I'm looking at it here now. Like, Dark Light is the first song on side two. Really? Thank you. Again, because I only knew the cassette really. Let's see what we got here. 
I kind of always wished Ace would have played this when, when Freely's Comet was touring. Anton yeah. Fig wrote this song with Ace. Yeah, he worked on it with him. I, in fact, I think I think Anton was the one who came up with the riff. Like, this was actually his song. And Ace sort of co-opted it. And then, of course, Bob Ezrin uh, forced Gene and Lou Reed into the writing on it. But yeah, uh, it's, You know what? It's not... It's a bad fit for the record, and Ace does not buy in. There you go, there you go, Colin. Actually, buy into the whole thing. World yeah, Without no, Heroes Ace is, is almost first song on door side already. two. But it's like this is—he's just playing this like a rock song, and it's like yep. I like the song. Don't get me wrong, it, it, but it, he's it, doing this like it's any other Kiss song, like it, it, as it, if it, it's it, not part of it. It interrupts the mood a little bit. It's yeah. like Ace—he's he's doing like the classic like. New York guy, like dropping, dropping lines and being clever, and yeah. But, but but I think I think it fits in the same way that like Mr. Blackwell fits too. It's it's kind of like there's it's almost like a voice of another character coming in, like, hey kid, this is not going to be a yeah. But this is like the Jar Jar Binks. Of okay, well, <laughs> but. It's, it's, it's otherwise hard to imagine Ace. <laughs> Me select champagne and cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> But he's got a shred little solo on here, and it's and again it gives the fans a little Sounds bit like of Santana. Yeah, because yeah, it's does. got a little Congo drum to it. Yeah. Again, the, the further addition of Paul uh, Shaker. There was like one track where. Uh, Ezrin like pulled Eric Carr off the you. drums and like brought in another guy because Eric couldn't do the drums. Again, like Ezrin was a fucking taskmaster. So again, if you go into the book, the book gives you the whole sort of like he, he lay down and did this solo at like four in the morning after the bar closed. Oh, for sure. And he probably he did this solo like, like two months after the other guys were done. It's done. It, took, Leave me alone. it took them seven months to record this record. <laughs> the longest out of any yeah. Kiss record ever. Well, they had those they had those those demo sessions that all got. Yeah. Some, some of the songs might have been uh, on Killers, but uh, I, I always liked this song because it was like, all right, Ace, and Ace yeah. is like still part of the band and he's. Contributing, but barely. Hey, Anton, can you put some cowbell in that last, uh, that last chorus? Put some more cowbell in there, Anton. But uh, just put it in because it'll bother you. Yeah, they make it sound a little bit more like Blue Oyster Cult. But yeah, this, but this was it for Ace. Ace would not be back with the band, and his contributions would be basically kind of just. Scrubbed. Yeah, they sort probably of. Probably recorded this sort of faking as, as faking like it for the beginning of Creatures of the Night. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's a, there's a few things in there in Creatures of the Night that still have Ace's name attached to them, but uh, he's he's not playing them. And then you come to the the, the main single off this record, the, the, World the only Heroes. single in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. In Japan, they might have released a, 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 another in, song. In Japan and Mexico, they released I. There you as, go. As the single, yeah. Also known but, as Yo. In that, well, <laughs> uh, well, we'll get to that. 
It's the David Lee Roth cover. No, because they, <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> did want to, they did want to release a, a Spanish version of. That's it, exactly for right. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Because you know, those eighteen to twenty-three year old Spanish kids got. Yeah, Steve Vai called Gene Simmons and was like, "Look, yeah, record the Spanish version." But well, what? Colin, what are your thoughts about this song here as you're singing it under your breath? Oh, it's just awesome. I, I told you, the whole album is amazing to me. I think the songwriting is really strong. I try, I think I'm, this try, is I'm a, trying not to sing loud, loud enough that you can hear me, but I guess I just, <laughs> it just gets out of there. I, I think this is a good song. It's a baffling choice for a single, for the first single. Yeah, unless See, you're thinking like Beth. It's like a slow jam. It's a thoughtful dude, sort of thinking, like... They're thinking the solid gold dancers and like Marilyn McCoo and Lee well, yeah, I, I mean, ironically, producer. one of the only promotional uh, appearances they did for The Elder was on Solid Gold. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, and, and again, this, but, but this, this is... I remember seeing that too and being kind of like blown away and kind of weirded out. It's like... It was like just mostly like Gene's face singing at the camera. Yeah, and then, light, and then a little tear. tear coming down. Like, what Demons the don't fuck cry. is this? They they made a video for this album and a video for I, and I'm not sure both got released. Um, they didn't do a ton of appearances for the Elder. It went south so quickly. They did Solid Gold. They were on. We were talking earlier about a, a show called Fridays right. that was on ABC, which was sort of a, a Saturday Night Live comedy sketch show and disappeared did a couple songs but yeah. uh fridays wasn't like a feature show though i think fridays was like when people were in town they would ask them to stop by but it wasn't like you'd see on saturday night live that it was like a featured very special to the event type of right uh visit it was kind of like but i think they did like three songs on that on that friday's visit but the oath is the one that you can see on uh, on the yeah. youtube they did a video two. of them doing the oath ace is I would, just I would like, say really it's good. like he doesn't even know the song I, and yeah. like, <laughs> I could swear paul is like whispering the chords to him oh they 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 do one live performance as a trio minus ace speaking of the oath this is my favorite song on the record. There's no way Ace is playing guitar on this. Oh, maybe. Um, actually, Paul played all the guitars on this song, and Ace played bass. Okay. I know there's a song where, uh, maybe I'm looking at it as like Creatures of the Night, where Eric Carr played bass on one song. Oh, yeah. But, but, but yeah, I, I, Paul, Paul played all the guitars on this song. Yeah, I mean, this is very, like, first three style. This is a great song. Right? It's like, you could have heard this on Double Platinum. As a, Easy. Yep. You know, a, something off of the first three or four records. Alright, so how, how far are you guys in here? Uh, we're at 49 seconds in. This is all about a bunch of knights on horseback. But the, the, I think the beauty of this song is, is like David's saying, this song could easily fit on Double Platinum. It sounds like a Kiss song, but then expands in, into the concept stuff in the middle. I think if they would have had more songs like this, the album might have done a little better. Like, yeah, a like very rare double bass going on in the drums. It, it's like, a good sounding Kiss song. I don't think song. there's double bass in any Kiss song. Oh, like I can't think of a Kiss song with double bass. Um, well, Eric Carr played double bass. Well, I know he did, but I'm talking about like metal double bass. 
Yeah. Oh. Like in this song, oh, no, in the no. chorus, it's like, you know. But there's lots of like galloping rhythms to it. And it's definitely medieval with its lyrics of the forging of the steel going to the door and pounding your head. Yeah, I mean, Ed Shaughnessy had double bass too, and he played with the, uh, with the Tonight Show band. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> what about Doc Severson? What was he playing? Oh, he's just he's just in the band. The trumpet. Yeah, right there. But the chorus, double bass. Just very. I mean, so, just very rare straight double bass in the kids. So, so, I want, I, so I, this this gets me thinking about like what Colin's uh, version of the record is, because in those versions where the oath comes first. Then that would push Dark Knight to be the first uh, the first track on the second side. Yeah. But uh, again, that's one of those sort of conundrums where, like, on, on the original pressing here, the Oath is the first song. That's that's the album opener. It's like this could totally yeah, this could giddy up very much here. could have been a uh, a single except for this. Part. Yeah. Well. And then you're because you'd be wondering like, what fucking Odyssey? What what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean the song's four minutes. They could totally have cut out the, this section, put in an extended guitar solo. Or, or but I totally like it. This, this is a great bridge. And then we're back riding the horses. Yeah. Yep. Fire and hot. That's totally Ace's influence. That burn, 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 burn. It's stupid. Anyway. Self-famous in that. Now that I listen to it, like at, at this particular point in the in the larger narrative, it makes sense because it's about the boy saying, "Like I'm down for this. I accept this challenge. I'm getting my sword and my steed, and I'm gonna go <laughs> and like fight evil." But you, you could see like the the sort of the. The dickheads, the, the suits across the block, that hologram saying, like, let's push this forward and put this at the front of the record so people think, oh, this is still a rock record. Yeah, I mean, at the point the point at which you're not going to make this into a show, you could totally yeah. rearrange this to make it a better record. I could see that. Yeah, but if it's going to be like a sequenced sort of narrative where these songs have to follow in order... Because it's, it's got that <laughs> that awakening dragon baseline yes. like God of Thunder. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the God of Thunder intro. Yep. he's on stage spitting blood right now. Yeah, the the, the squeaky uh, the strings the fingers on the string sound. It's a good jam. Yeah, written by Lou Reed and Gene Simmons. But there, I mean, there's a Gene Simmons song like this every other record. Yeah, this is like very every in, record. Yeah, it's a character song. It's right? a very much. It's very much a Gene song. I could see them playing this live. I, I, it, within the plot of this, Mr. Blackwell is supposedly like a couple things. He's like. Mr. He's the forces of evil. 
but like in, in one synopsis that's presented to the like to, like as a press release he's like some dude who works in Washington DC I just imagine as being sort of like a Rumsfeld sort of character <laughs> he, he makes uh, catty comments about fashion at the Oscars yeah there you go <laughs> it would totally be it would be it would be the Vincent Price guy yeah but like, just, excuse me Dr. Blackwell that's Mr. Blackwell Oh, Mr. Blackwell is just like, he's got his finger on the button, I guess, as it were. But again, in the, in, the, in the narrative that doesn't actually get fleshed out anywhere here, he is just the bad guy. kind of seems like if you're like on horseback and there's knights and orders of roses and things like that, and Mr. Blackwell? Okay, yeah. This guy's like wrestling. Yeah, why, why not just like Blackwell? That'd be fine. Why, like, why so formal? I knew a guy named Mr. Blackwell. But I think he, I think he spelled it Blackwall. Blackwall? Yeah. He looked like a skeleton, skin tightly stretched over. Him. Are you sure that wasn't like the Slender Man? The Slender Man took you out. He, wasn't, he was tall, not that tall. One day he was uh, sitting at the in the faculty lounge. He was talking about how every day he closes his door, takes a nap. The school president was like, "What?" Wow. He's like, "Oh yeah, we would call it a siesta." It's like, "Well, you're in Philly, dude." <laughs> we call it get back to fucking work. Get back to work, <laughs> buddy. Uh, there you go, and again, like a real nice solo, which I'm thinking might this be. This is where he needs. This is where you need Gene to just start riffing, and be like, "Hey, baby." Yeah. <laughs> well, over, you, you, you get you, my name. <laughs> exactly. You, 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 you do have some like vocal distortions here, but I don't think he's talking Song about. Song could have been a minute shorter. When I saw you yeah. coming out of school that day, yeah, that I day knew. I knew, I knew, I had to have you, Mr. Blackwell had to have you. Shut the fuck up, dude. So, so rapey. But she's hot and clayed. You know, she's been around, but she's still clayed. Still talking about this. I welcome back to the owner episode. Do, do you know the uh, what's the the cover of that song that's on Kiss My Ass? When he's like, I don't normally say things like this to Corey. Like, Actually, I do say things like this. <laughs> oh, who, who covers does that cover? Um, is it like the Lemonheads or something? I forget. It's the Gin Blossoms. The Gin Blossoms. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I don't normally say things like this to girls or ladies. I don't usually say things like, oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this song's a little long. But oh, my good. God. Uh, they could have cut off the last two minutes and we would have got the gist. I can't believe there's another 25 seconds of this just, song. They're, 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 just, they're just building the drama of it all. Getting you ready for to the escape from the island. But yeah. what island? Where are they I, the island where the Order of the Rose is. That's the, I'll tell you what, the, the harmonies that you're using in this are, are, they're like teasing some of the the vocal writing style that he uses. On. They have the, they they have the siren left over from Firehouse. They're like, <laughs> like bring that shit in.
like an overly tuned. Gene and Paul do yeah, not play on this one. Ace, Eric, and Bob Ezrin perform this. Yeah, here's a Kiss song without either Gene or Stanley Paul. or Simmons. That's yeah. that's incredible. Very rare. And it's the first uh, instrumental since Kissing Time. Yeah, love Gene from Kiss. Uh, oh yeah, there you go. That's what I meant. Love song. Um, this this fucking shreds the hell out of shit. And I remember when I was like, uh, when I was living down in LA, there was like some uh, stereo company or like a stereo store that would like use this as its sort of like anthem. Come out down to like Tom's, you know, you know, AM FM radio store. Come and get your CDs and. Your, your blau punks and whatnot and this would just play over it and i'm like oh my gosh that's like a very obscure perhaps copyrighted song that you're ripping off there but it's right here now you were thinking it was gonna do like some bow wow wow do like like tequila or or candy there you go i want candy Immediately, some kids do a hand job. That, that's an ace solo for sure. This one's intact. Yeah, this is like yeah. he just invited everybody over to get drunk. He's gonna bury the hatchet with Bob Ezrin. Yeah, decided not to murder him. Recorded a song. <laughs> it's, but it, it 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 is what it sounds like. It is. It's like, it's nah, like man, it, we're cool now. It's a jam and Make it's sure a filler. On the record. And it doesn't really add anything except for like the. The propulsion that's going to get to the end but as far as like we keep talking about like what is this concept what's the narrative because it's a footage part of the film where like it's just like like swirling siren lights yeah. and, and people running on the beach explosions explosions get eiffel tower falling over <laughs> a clenched fist a smoke monster puts oh, another no, jewel in its fist i don't know but it's it's a good jam. I love it. Colin, do you love this? This, oh, is work, this is a good workout. I've loved every track. Piece of it. This is this is really good. And then the album closer. A little bouncy. Yeah. Dance to it. This is where they tell the boy that he can be the new guitar player for Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> If, if anything was disco-esque, this would be the song that is disco-esque to me. Apparently, the, the lyrics of this are sort of a dig at Ace Freely. <laughs> and Ace does not play on this record. This was the song they considered recording in Spanish. This was the single in Japan and Mexico. It was I. Got, got a bolt of lightning, hit me on my head. Yeah. It, it, it brings the, the narrative to its close. It's like, I figured out that I could be the hero. That's right. The kid has grown up. Yeah. It's got that uh, sort of rock and roll all night crowd pleaser chorus. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, no, it feels good. I hate it feels good. happy, positive metal songs. <laughs> yeah, no, really? It, Wow, David, that's so weird. 
Paul's just smiling, singing. <laughs> it's like they bring up the lights. Is that the, that scene what, what, from like what, The Simpsons what, what, with this big headband? No, on? no, no. You're the fifth member. The audience is supposed to be the house lights. <laughs> just come up. Oh yeah. Well, this this would be definitely the point where it's like all the fucking. Uh, we love yeah. you. All the shredded paper, the confetti comes out, all the balloons come you know, down. when I wake up in the morning, I can't get my feet on the ground because I'm the lightest. <laughs> I but think I got... about you and you and you. Look at each other. Tell each other that you believe in you. But it's 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 a great rocker, and, and, and again, this is this is what Kiss does. It's like this is way a, better than that. What's that? Say yeah, shout some garbage they did. Well. Say yeah, say yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I that mean, song dude, I'd rather I'd way that, rather go to the, the bathroom during like, this song than say yeah, dude, for sure. Like as so many Kiss fans yeah. would love to hear something from the Elder in this in this farewell tour, like more, much more so dude, than bullshit. Like say yeah, play the oath. Dude, if they, they played the oath, it'd be oh, fucking yeah. awesome. Like, yeah. it, it, there's actually, if you look at, uh, I think it was Kiss Cruise 4. Yeah. They played yeah. the oath. They they, they they actually broke it out. Fans lost their shit. It wasn't mini Yeah, yeah they, they, they tried to play, like, uh, on that Chris, Kiss Cruise, they tried to play, like, three songs. Yep. But there's no, I don't, maybe there's some YouTube stuff of that. It, there is, yeah. And here comes Paul. He's singing about it too. You don't need to get wasted. It only holds you down. There you go, King. It's great. I can't hear you. Yeah, hey! The closing, the closing uh, fade of uh, Department of Youth by uh, Alice Cooper. You, you ever listen to that? Yeah. That's like they're fading of out, and he's like, who's got the power? We do. Yeah. He's like, and who gave it to you? Donnie Osmond. <laughs> yeah. See? And now they're walking down the hall, the castle, yeah. checking on things. Look at those sandals on the stone floor. Yeah, they're wearing sandals. Oh, there's that damn. I just, I, I thought they were wearing, you know, some. Oh, there's a toe. Oh, Morpheus wears sandals. Yeah, I thought he was like more of like a clogs dude, but okay. Morpheus. It does have like a little slip. I think he's wearing loafers. I think you're gonna like this one. Oh shit, Morpheus. Red pill, blue pill. What's it gonna be? Ask Ace. Call Peter Chris. Both, dude. Ask him to take his pants down. <laughs> I take the day quill and I take the night quill. <laughs> and it just runs out of gas. <sighs> so, that's, so that's the end. That's the end of the elder. Uh, look, look at the notes that I put there. The re the reception to this album has has some <laughs> sort of funny anecdotes there. Uh, uh, fans' reaction to the album was really, really bad. Um, the, criti the, the critics 
were sort of uh, kinder than they had been <laughs> in the past. People like getting together to read, to listen to it and just weeping. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just did not. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bob Ezrin said later on that, that uh, his judgment concerning the elder was clouded due in large part to cocaine addiction. Yeah. He thought the record was much faster and shorter. <laughs> but Paul and Gene admitted that they were delusional, and Ace has felt that it was not a good idea from the start. Right, from the start. And, yeah. Ace, and Ace was on drugs, too, he says, uh, but uh, obviously not so addled as Ezrin. And again, kind of like he never really fully committed to it. But I don't know. I think Ace... Uh, Ace was always kind of like he was the last to join, and he just he was you know maybe he just never felt uh, you know kind of like uh, like as a full partner. And I think, yeah. You know, Stanley and Simmons could probably do that to you too. But when yeah. this record came out, it's like the equivalent of like being called into the auditorium and like the whole staff being fired. <laughs> Yeah. The, the Australian label wrote we're back going after a different, getting... We're going a different direction. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what the labels were saying. The label wrote back. The Australian label said, this is not what Australian KISS fans are looking for, and release will probably damage their standing. <laughs> we were advised we'd be getting a back-to-basics rock and roll album uh, in concept form. Side B is okay. <laughs> it's okay. <Yeah>. Side B. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. In the States, Polygram asked if they could just scrap it and make another one. (laughs) Uh, The Billboard review was actually good. It said, on this LP, Kiss finally makes the transition from a one-dimensional gimmick attraction to a multifaceted, not-to-be-taken-granted-for group. Maybe it was Ezrin's production or the group's realization that all those adolescent fans are growing up, but Kiss has delivered a mature concept LP, which will surprise skeptics. I agree with that statement. Yeah, that's, I'm not going to lie. That seems like they, a generous assessment, too. They, I mean, I think that the vulnerability, like, I, I even think that the commentary by Gene and Paul about, you know, they were delusional or whatever, it's like, I'm, I don't think so. I think that sometimes, and, you know, I would defer to Michael because Michael's more of the consumer and critic of, of you know, of media right as a in his world i just a cynical asshole is what you're saying that's fine but Mm. it's like sometimes people create things and they are not the people who get to then review it and comment on it like sometimes you create something and people like it or don't like it and you're not the one to figure out why other people have to kind of step in and say yeah that's what you said you were doing but i'm on the outside looking in and I've got a better view of what you actually were doing than you do. Yeah. And I, and th- I think that Gene, Gene and Paul's comments on this, I think, are empty. I think they yeah. did something with what they're capable of doing that's worth listening to, reviewing, critiquing, and liking. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's, that's the whole thing, too, is like you, you, you're, you're, it, it betrays a certain sort of like suspicion uh or or you you suspect the fans ability to to get something out of it like like it uh there's like a final song on the wilco record called the the one that's called wilco the album where you know jeff tweedy's singing about how like once you put your art out into the world it's no longer yours 
and you 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 at that point you sort of like abdicate your ability to sort of comment on it because yeah. it, it becomes part of everybody else's experience and i i would say that that, that this record is, is is basically that sort of like uh it kind of fulfills that in the sense that you could you could say yeah we weren't able to tour on it we couldn't make millions of dollars on it yeah we probably shouldn't have done so much cocaine or let bob do so much cocaine uh, but but you you went ahead and did it, and that was it was a yeah. daring thing to do. It takes the legs out from Mike, your Mike, audience. Mike, read read Paul's reaction right there. Like I I listed one from each of the guys All right, uh, so under he, legacy, sort of like them reminiscing on the elder. Yeah, so he he says uh, it'd be crazy for us to not to follow the path we want to. Ultimately, they get us where we're going. He said uh, we could have done creatures of the night if we didn't do the elder. I don't begrudge anything we've done because everything we do leads us to where we ultimately get. I think Which, that's the fairest critical a, statement you can make. Agreed. On, on yeah. From their standpoint. I say that all the time. Like we get into these discussions about kind of education in America in the, in the modern age and people will criticize the schools that we attended as kids. But my response is it created us as critical educators. And I'm like, how bad could it have been if we're here now able to critique it? And I feel like public school Paul, is good enough for me. Well, I kind of feel like Paul hits it. It's like, yeah. it's part of who we are. It's part of the process. You can't, you can't not put that stuff out and you have to give it the credit because he's right. Like this record was a response to what they were doing, but it's also the, the fuel for what they did afterwards. Yeah, and, and, and again, to do anything else, it, it 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 insults your audience, it undercuts your audience, and it really doesn't trust them. Like if your audience likes this or doesn't like this, and you're listening to them, well, does that mean you're not listening to them liking or not liking the other records that were successful? It's like you, right. If you can't believe somebody when they say something good, then you can't believe them when they say something bad. Yeah, right. Yeah, I love Ace's take was. During the recording process, I kept telling all those guys, this is oh, the wrong God. album for the period of time. I think bands want to hear a hard rock album. It's not going to work. And of course, it bombed. I guess I had a handle on what was going on. Those guys never had any street sense. Gene grew up in <laughs> Israel and Paul in Queens, but he wasn't a guy like me who hung out on the corner and got into fights and did crazy stuff. Yep, that's... <laughs> Ace is always going to give you the perspective of the streets, right? He's yeah. the best. I know um, when, he, when he hired John Regan on his, uh, his first solo record, he asked him, you know, did you used to hang out on the streets and get into fights and do crazy stuff? And John Regan said, yes. And he hired yep. him on the spot. <laughs> You're and in. I never heard him. You're in. I, I, yep. I, I, I he set down the champagne bottle, a quick high five, <laughs> and Rock Soldiers was born. Did a couple of lines. Dude, yeah. I, 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 I want to hear like conversations that were captured between uh, Ace and Lou Reed. I just want to hear them like <laughs> they, talking, they, talking they about They never <laughs> met. Cocaine. They were probably in not. Ace's house, and they probably never met. They, well, he, he, probably, he, they probably just dead dropped each other cocaine and cash. <laughs> like, uh, Lou must have been here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Imagine if you're Eric Carr coming into Kiss, and this is your first taste. Yeah, <laughs> like the band's not working. You're doing fucking fanfares, and he's like, "Wait, what?" Like well, he what says, "I think it was. I think it's a great album. It just came out at the wrong time," which I think is very fair. Uh, maybe kind 
if this, I mean, think about it. If this record was never released at all, and it was found or it was released, like they released a set of records. Here's stuff that never got released. Like the would lost we, record. Like if, it just, if it, like, like if it just came out we like missed this it? year. You know what I mean? Would we? I, I feel that way anyway. Like, like I said, I feel like I took that jump and came back in in the non-makeup years and that The Elder was this sort of missed record that like, so, so I didn't it, have it at the time it came out. So yeah. it was something that, that I unearthed later, which is maybe the way this record should be found. But, but Colin, so like go back to your point, like so you got you caught this like right in stride with yeah. all their other releases and all, all of your homies were down with it. So it didn't, so what were the conversations like? Was this like, you just plop it into the boom box just like you would like Love Gun or Rock and Roll Over? Well, no, it definitely didn't. It didn't fit what was going on at the time. I'm not, I, I liked it because it fit my life, my listening. Um, Stand on the and, street and get in fights and do crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I know the other guys that were listening, they were disappointed. The ones that were the true Kiss fans at the time that had been there since Black Diamond days. They weren't, at, but then again, I, like I said before, you got to remember this is after Dynasty, this is after Unmasked. I mean, and the solo <laughs> records. I mean, with nobody knew what to do with Kiss at that point anyway. So most of those, yeah. most of those fans were like, I've, I've had it at, you know, all the crap they've been putting out. But yeah. I, I, to me, I was like, wow, this is really cool. This is a neat story. And on a pair of headphones back then, you put that in and you hear the yeah, conversations sure. and you hear the stuff that was really kick ass. Did, did you did you ever sort of like outgrow it or just kind of like no? Eh, I'm not going to listen to this again for I don't know another two years. No, this is a this is a head a headphones sitting back in my bedroom teenage moment. So anytime I need a little bit of going home in my head, I throw this on. Okay, okay. So it so it, it, it as, as much as the band would want want us to believe that you know they made like a, a fatal misstep um it, it, it could have worked it could yeah you know, and certainly for those of us who found it uh down the road a ways um it, it it found us at the right time uh whether or not people who were you know like joey mahoney who's like a ardent uh hater of you this know, album I'm gonna talk to i have to talk to joey this week for on another matter Okay, he's so, gonna love uh, this. Whether he's gonna come around on it is a whole other thing, but I, 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 I don't see that happening. I think it's, it's not something that I don't know. It, it, it could possibly grow on you, but not once you've like already you know dug in your heels and said like, no, I hate this record. It's stupid. It's dumb. I had a I had a roommate uh, when I was in college who would judge the quality of a cheeseburger by how far the grease would drip down his arms when he ate it. Okay. Right. And the and more I, the more grease, the better? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then okay. if it was really good, you could judge it by how far the grease would go up. Right? Like if you had your, your arm in a, in a little cup or something. Wow. Wow. That's like, where are the napkins? No, okay. Well, I, but I got you. very sloppy. Yeah, yeah. So, so... so so the elder is a greasy cheeseburger or <laughs> so the elder is a greasy cheeseburger. You know, I think you, you know, you, you, you judge this, you judge these kiss records a little bit by, you know, the kiss that comes out of it. You know what I mean? It's uh, yeah. Um, I think it's good, man. I mean, it's, there's worse kiss records. 
Psycho Circus. Oh, crazy yes. Nights. Crazy, crazy Nights is See, I horrible. Like crazy, but I was I was sixteen when Crazy well, Nights no, came out. So. No, no, but I just I just listened to like Crazy Nights, and it's like I bought that record straight out of like California music, like the day it came out, and I must have liked something about it. But I was listening to it like the last month, and I'm like, fuck, I don't remember any of these songs except for. So Michael, I got you tied. Crazy up Crazy in, Nights. I got, I got you tied up in my basement. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm gonna list Kiss records. Okay. You tell me if you'd rather listen to that record than the elder i'd listen to the elder like uh, okay you ready forever peter instead chris of crazy Sol- nights peter chris sullivan oh cr- yeah yeah i'd probably listen to crazy nights okay no no, no. the elder right so the, oh the, yo definitely elder, I, would, I would definitely listen the elder is like one of my top records i love it hot in the shade love that album uh, yeah i'm still gonna go with the elder i'm still gonna uh, go with the elder monster i'm gonna go with the elder elder crazy nights Definitely Elder Dynasty. No, um, I I I'm, I really like Dynasty. There's a lot of really fun songs. Right, so on Dynasty there. Dynasty's maybe Gene Simmons solo record. I kind of I, I I do like the production on that. There's lots of really good songs, but I, really I love like the I, I, I love the Elder so much more. Okay, Psycho Circus. No, that's garbage. Carnival of Souls. I don't even know what that is. Carnival of Souls is pretty cool, actually. I, ha- I have I have a copy of it. I I've been meaning to listen to it, but it was, it's it was harder one, it, than you would expect. I know, but it was like one of those records that came out like what 96, 97, yeah, and it was so. just like I was not it's like Bruce Kulick's last record. Yeah, yeah, the, like the last the last record I got was like uh, Revenge. And it was how about like, Asi- How about Asylum? I love Asylum. So more than the Elder. More than the Elder. <laughs> yes. I like Asylum more. I, th- I think I love The Elder more. I don't know. Th- again, because... I unmasked? I love Unmasked. I think I would listen you to Unmasked. You're the only person I know. Uh, yeah, I would the only person in the likes. world. Naked City. I, That's I, dude, my jam. Shandy? Ooh, is that you? <laughs> oh Man. Oh, there's so many hot tracks. She's so, you so would, European. You would take I Unmasked love, over The Elder? Love is what makes the world... I, I, love, I love all those songs. I'm so Revenge? dumb. Dude, I bought like... Spreading Revenge the disease. Is great. Paul Stanley. Uh, the, Paul, the Paul Stanley solo record is pretty fucking choice. Dude, I love Revenge it. is so good. Revenge, Revenge great. Revenge yeah. is good. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of hot heavy tracks on it. That was like, but the, like I, if, I, I were, if I were going to put up like the Elder against, there are some records that just could not beat. Like so, uh, you're saying? Let me so let me throw this it, out. It, 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 it Based could be, on that. It could beat Lick It Up. That. It could not beat uh, Creatures of the Night. If we made a top 20, The Elder would make your top 20. It'd be my top three. Top, three. top three. Top 10 easy. Uh, top 10, top, really? Maybe, You're maybe including even... Asylum, and it's going to make your top 10? Asylum's not. Now, Asylum might make my top 10. How many How many albums are we talking about? We got like 25? 20... So, like studio records, though. Not live uh, albums? I still think like, no. It, you got to count alive. It, 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 like it, like the, for, for for me, like tippity tippity top is going to be like. Uh, I'm okay if you leave off double platinum, but alive hotter, two hot, are legit records. Hotter than hell. Creatures of the night. Mm, we'll look have to it put up. this on. We'll have to put this on on Facebook or Instagram or something. Yeah. Because if I had to come up with a top ten or a top twenty, just get your like. I top guarantee three. the elders getting in the top twenty. I'll have to think about it whether to make the top ten. 
top 20 and they'd have to be in the top 20 because yeah. there's not that many studio records there's a lot of studio records, dude. Yeah. Well, if, if, if you count... When Animalize came out, they had 26 records, including their live records. Well, well this, this one was called... Because uh, it includes the live records. I can, I can read uh, John's the, Elder, the Elder was the 13th Yeah, it was, it was Project it Title... live. It was Project Title Kiss 17, which includes all the four solo records... And the live, the live records. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, I, I don't know. What do you Look, guys think? It looks like, what, 23, 24 out studio albums? Yeah, if you count, like, uh, Monster. Monster's the last one, so. Yeah, yeah 20 studio albums. Four, four solo and three live, I guess, or something. But I, I, I would definitely put uh, The Elder top five easy. Yeah. Easy. Because I would count, I would count, and and, if, and, and, and if just, you were and, listing if you were listing Kiss records, I would right. count Alive and Alive Two, and I would count Double Plat and Sonic Boom. Not necessarily that I'd say you have <laughs> to include them, but you could. Like if you include you them in your top ten, I wouldn't. I wouldn't slight but you. You know what I mean? They're greatest because I think records. Alive Two. Alive Two is probably one of my favorite Kiss records. I but think it's, it's a, really yeah. just. It's the perfect mix of songs. What about side really four? Well what about side four? You a big like fan of that? Four, the Dave Clark five song, any way you want it. That's the way you rock it, yeah. right? Rock it. Oh. There you go. She wants baby a rock and wants ride. A, baby wants a It hurts. She, she wants, wants a taco ride. ride. She wants a taco ride. Yeah, nobody knows what you're talking about, Mike. That's because I have a shirt with a cat <laughs> riding a taco in space. <laughs> wow. But so you could basically get an do that. Yeah, taco ride. It's it's that way. It's like you got the rocket ride for the ladies and the taco ride for I don't know. It's just it's just there. Okay. Uh, wow. So what's our take? What's our what's our takeaway here? What's our John? You want to help us out? I, you know, I I think through our through our two hours of chatting up the elder, we've sort of summed it up. I mean, uh, like I said towards the beginning, it's an album that I look at with affinity. I think there are enough good songs that I like on here that outweigh the mess. In fact, when you look at it through the microscope of the recording process of their label folding of Peter Chris leaving Fire, firing uh, their manager, Bill O'Coin too. Bill, yeah. yeah. Bill O'Coin is, is leaving uh, Neil Bogart gone. It, there is a lot of turmoil happening. A lot of, a lot of, of shakeup, a lot of shakeup. Yeah. A lot of shakeup. And, They've been brought to their knees by unmasked not selling and that tour oh, not so, happening. So bad. And yeah. so I think all things considered, the fact that it's this good is surprising. Like I, I you know, there's some shit that I do not love on on the record. And and like we were saying, Mr. Blackwell could be about two minutes shorter. But uh I you know, the oath and I I think are great songs and even the instrumentals that I, you know, I don't love are pretty good on this record. So I, you know, by and large, I don't know if it makes the top three, like Mike was saying for me, but it's probably top 10 out of the 20. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to need everybody's lists. Uh, too sweet. But but again, I, <laughs> I don't I have think, that record. I, I think, you, you, you know, your, your choices are based on kind of like, where, where the song comes into your life or the album comes into your life and what, what you kind of get out of it. And, you know, because it does follow that sort of archetypal hero's journey, 
straight out of you know Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces, which uh, you know like George Lucas totally cribbed for like the Star Wars epic. Um, you know, it's it it has that sort of like it just built in structural power. It's just you know it's going to guide you to that sort of uh, you know to that sort of adventure. Uh, finding yourself and then being able to like withstand uh, you know the powers of darkness and confront them it's just it's just a good sort of like good versus evil tale and the music is a little wonky but there's definitely a lot of good hard rock in there uh, and and I think that just also there's just for me there's the perverse pleasure in it that it's quirky and it's not a fan favorite it's like who, what's your favorite record oh love gun good for you moving on as the I, find, I find on. no wonkiness i just find good music yeah but no but 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 definitely you find plenty of people who are like just like i've never heard this and it just i it's, wanted it's, to it's, have it's, even more mythology than it does you know what i mean like what was that record what was that uh record that like, like the killer dwarves put out with the gate remember the movie the gate I remember the movie The Gate, yeah, with Stephen Dwarf, yeah, yeah, that's and great. Like the Killer Dwarfs were were the soundtrack. Did they have like they're they're the, the kids are definitely into heavy metal. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and they, they listen. To the Killer Dwarfs were in the were were on the soundtrack. Right. So, so was there like a, a Killer I, Dwarfs I, I, I album? I kind of want there to be like some weird tie-in that we don't know about yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think you're What's, making one. Well, we, well, we gotta figure that out. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, the, the, the kids were definitely metalheads, and uh, then they find this gigantic hole in the backyard that turns oh, into so be some sort of yeah. hellscape, you know. you know. That's all I got. I was trying to get us off topic. Oh, <laughs> we, su- success. Well done. John's like, why? Why are you going to do that? Go back and watch The Gate. Okay, thank you, everybody, for like, you know, letting us try your patience by uh, reintroducing you or introducing you for the first time to Kiss's magical concept al- album, Music from the Elder. Uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful odyssey that we've taken, uh, that, that the band took us on, and hopefully you're able to enjoy it too, or you go back and listen to it with uh, fresh ears, fresh eyes. Uh, it's it's going to come up on its... 30-year anniversary here real quick. So, 40-year uh, anniversary. Shit, I can't do math. Um, so, I, maybe that deluxe record is right around the corner. Anyhow, so, uh, for all my friends and colleagues here, David Timoney. Joey Mahoney. <laughs> Colin call Bosler and his kitty cat. That's Nelly. Uh, Nelly and John Harden and Buster. Joey who's, Mahoney. <laughs> he's no longer up. <laughs> I'm, I'm Michael Stamps, and we are the middle-aged metalheads, so uh, keep checking us out wherever you, wherever you find this stream from, and uh, we'll, we'll see you on the flip side. Music from the Elder. World without heroes. The legend of the Elder, conceived, written, and performed by Kiss on Casablanca Records. The new Kiss album, Music from the Elder. Available at Jane Army World, 599 LP or tape.